Hello everyone, welcome to episode 2 of the Charleston Conversations podcast. I want to thank all of you who listened to that Frankenstein show from last week. Again, that was no fault from Mayor Ringwater. Uh, most of the feedback I've received was positive. A lot of questions about why I started a podcast. Um, as far back as I can remember, uh, when my family would be traveling, my dad listened to a lot of talk shows like Bruce Williams, Dr. Dina Dell, Neil Rogers, Phil Hendry, Art Bell, George Norrie. Um, some of those, Art Bell and Phil Hendry, are just way out there. Um, Phil Hendry, if no one, if you've never heard him, he would voice all the characters on the show and would have arguments with himself. And I was just amazed by what he did. Um, Art Bell, if you've never heard of Art Bell, uh, Art Bell is uh, he would. Nothing fazed the guy. He would have callers call in and say they were a werewolf or they were from the future. Um, but it was just, it was always interesting. Um, so we, then you know, as I as I got older, I would listen to um, Howard Stern, Open Anthony, Ron and Fez, uh, Howard Stern, and Ron Bennington from the Ron and Fez show were just two people who could interview anybody uh, most of the time maybe someone I really didn't have any interest in and they'd make me interested in that person uh, or on a subject that that person was into and so I think for a long time I've wanted uh, to do a show a podcast uh, just the right uh, subject had presented itself and then I thought you know uh, as much time as I spent in this city and as many people I've gotten to know I thought there was a, a real big opportunity to do something here in Charleston and in the low country and uh, this is uh, it just seemed like a natural fit so today uh, I interviewed someone who I've, I always have interesting conversations with I always learn something from uh, Chris whether it's about music or meditation, uh, we talk about how he came into playing music, who inspired him, what his dream tour would be, uh, who he would want to play him in a movie. He didn't really answer this question during the uh, uh, conversation, but he did get back with me, and obviously uh, he thinks Daniel Day-Lewis should play him, and I think I should be played by Jason Momoa, just natural. I ended last week saying I screwed up I hope I screwed up in a different way this week so I could learn something new. So I just talked that into existence. For some reason, the video feed cut off on Chris with about 10 minutes left in the podcast. So if you watch this on YouTube, I had to splice the audio in with about 10 minutes left. So you'll see Chris's face just kind of go away. And I have uh, some stills up uh, while he's talking. Um, so for this week, I'm going to put out there that uh, into the universe that I hope next episode comes off without a hitch. Um, so thank you for listening. Again, please like the podcast, download, give it a five-star rating, um, tell your friends to do the same. Uh, and to that, please, um, on as many platforms as you'd like to do it to. Uh, we're, you know, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, and YouTube. Uh, if you'd like to be a guest, if you have an idea, event you'd like to post, uh, like for us to speak about, um, if you'd like to advertise the podcast, please email me at brandon at fromchaosmedia.com. And please go to youngsullivan.com and follow uh, Chris on all of his links and download and check out all his music. Uh, thank you again for, for listening and watching. Um. One eight two everyone here to Chris Sullivan. Uh, for those of you who may not know Chris, uh, I started following him in the early two thousands. Uh, saw him in uh, Mount Pleasant in a band called Big Black Building. Um, Chris has been uh, performing ever since then. He's released several 
singles, a few EPs, um, including Dog Days and Live in New York, all of which you can download on his website, youngsullivan.com. Uh, you can also find all the social links so you can find out where to see him live uh, and go support him. Um, he has his, you know, all of his uh, YouTube page where you can look, see his videos, uh, uh, Instagram, um, Spotify, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all that. Uh, hello, Chris. How are you doing? doing today? Uh, I'm great, Brandon. How are you, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me. I'm excellent. Uh, now that we've figured out the echo and everything's going straight, <laughs> everything's great. Good. Yeah, sounds great on my end. So, so what got you uh, in, interested in playing music? Oh, man, I was a fan of music since, I mean, I can remember. When I was a kid, I just, I loved it. It was, uh, you know, we always had music in, going in the house. Um, I, um, I have an older brother that's six years older than me. He was really big in the music and yeah, so we were there was always music playing in the house my you know my my folks always had great records in the house i grew up on top 40 radio really you know in the 70s and uh and just and when i was a kid i just fell in love with it and i guess when i was about 12 or 13 i went to a buddy of mine's house that i played baseball with <clears throat> and um he reached under the bed and pulled a guitar out a guitar case out and opened it up and put on a Beatles record and started playing along with it. And I was like, wow, it was like I got struck by lightning, man. And I just I went home that day and I think my birthday was in a month or two. And I and I just said, ah, oh, got it. You got to get me a guitar. And I, you know, kind of put it out there. And, <clears throat> and my, my mom went to a pawn shop and I think paid 60 bucks or something for a big, heavy Les Paul copy. You know, um, I didn't even have an amp and I think it was buying me the guitar was if I got an amp, I had to stick with it until Christmas. And then for Christmas, I would get an amp. I think that's how it worked out. But, um, and I started playing then, but I, I just love music and, and, uh, you know, started taking guitar lessons at Fox music house in Northwoods mall and, um, did that for about a year and then just kind of struck out on my own and just uh, learned the, learned the magic chords, you know, the, 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 the three magic chords or the, the 10 magic chords and just started, uh, picking it up and playing, you know, and, and, uh, I just, yeah, I just loved it from the time I was a kid. Music was just something I always really took to. Yeah, I understand that. And my, uh, my parents, they had every, like you said, every album you could, my dad had just fruit crates of, uh, you know, every Dylan, Beatles, yeah. Zeppelin, Stones, ev everything. And I, and I, my mom will tell you when I was, like three we three or four we'd be riding down the road and she'd just be like who's it who is this and I'd be, oh that's paul mccartney yeah that's david bowie that's how you raise your kids you gotta raise them you gotta raise them that way yeah and i tried it you know i, I like fox music as well and i you know it was a i tried to be a drummer which is what ruined the the first episode of this podcast and i had to, re <laughs> I had to redo it um but i never i never really caught on to it but um I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't have the success with it that uh, that you obviously have had. Yeah, you know. So you said you mentioned the Beatles. Yeah. Is that uh, one of your major influences, or is that? Uh, you know, again, where, I, where, who are your influences? I would say when I was a kid, I was influenced by because I grew up, like I said, on Top Forty Radio, and it's funny because this past weekend I have Sirius Radio, and I was listening to Casey Kasem's Top Forty Countdown on Seventies at Seven. And uh, it took me right back, man. And it was from 1977, you know, and, and it was such an eclectic blend of music. There was, you know, it was Glenn Campbell. It was Donna Summer. It was, I mean, it was, you know, it was rock music. It was every sort of genre of music that was being played on the radio then. And uh, I grew up on that. Um, <clears throat> my influences as a kid were definitely top 40. And then when I was about probably... I'd say eight, nine years old, uh, I found Kiss. And then I was just, you know, I was I was hooked on, you know, every kid that age. And, and, and you know, um, at that time, most kids just loved Kiss. I mean, you couldn't, I mean, they were superheroes that played music, you know. Um, and when you're that age, I mean, I was just, I was locked in, man. And I had every record and I, I used to carry around a folder of, of, of photographs. To, I used to take it to school every day. I was just a huge Kiss, was a fanatic. And, um, my older brother was a big Led Zeppelin guy. So that was always playing on how Sabbath, Zeppelin, all the seventies rock bands. And of course, Southern rock, Leonard Skinner, um, Almond Brothers, things like that. 
Um, like I said, you know, there was, I, I spent time with my grandparents. They had stuff like, you know, Ray Charles, Johnny Cash, Hank Williams. Um, you know, at home, my mom was listening to Neil Diamond and Dionne Warwick and Roberta Flack and Carole King. So I just had a really wide variety of music. And then I guess I found in my early, early teens, um, Prince, you know, was, got really big. And he was a huge influence as a, as a teenager. And in my first band, I mean, we probably played 75% of the songs we played were probably Prince songs, you know? Um, but I have a wide variety, man. I mean, singer songwriters, Dylan, of course, is a big hero of mine. Um, Springsteen, Neil Young, uh, the Rolling Stones are probably my favorite all time band. So, I mean, you name it. I just, there's, I, I love it all, you know? Hey, you mentioned uh, the Kiss thing, uh, and I was, I was born in '76, but I like very vivid memories as a kid of maybe not even knowing the music, but having the Kiss dolls. Oh yeah, the uh, watching the uh, the movie with the uh, Kiss meets the Phantom part actually being those action heroes. That's yeah, the Kiss movie. meets the Phantom. I, you know, I'll tell you it's funny, um, something funny about that. It was I went. When that movie came out, I was on, I still remember it because we were on a family vacation with another family that we were friends with. And that movie was coming on that Friday night and I made everybody sit down and watch that movie. And it's a terrible movie, but uh, I made everybody sit down and watch uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom. You know, I mean, um, I watched it probably three or four years ago and I was like, God, this is horrible. But I guess when I was, I would imagine I was probably about 10 when that, I was, I was born in 68. So I was probably about 10 when that came out, I'm guessing. Um, and then, yeah, you know, and then I kind of, as I got a little older, you know, you kind of, I kind of grew out of it. I still got buddies that are my age that are going kiss cruises and the whole nine, you know, so that are still really in the kiss. Um, but I kind of grew out of it, I guess, after, after they took off the makeup, I think that kind of ruined it for me. Right, right. It was a, what was the first concert you attended? Uh, my first concert was Elton John. Uh, believe it or not, I was um, it was 1980. I was 12 years old, and that's someone else. I mean, like I remember some of those talking about record albums, like some of the really the records that I I listened to a lot um, were like I mean I, I still I went back and recollected them, but like it's only rock and roll by the Stones, um, some girls by the Stones. Um, <clears throat> Elton John's greatest hits, um, born to run. I mean, there was, a, there were about 10 records that I just, I just, I mean, I played all the time and, uh, that Elton John record was one of them. Um, so it was in Columbia and I remember, uh, my mom and my stepdad got tickets and I think tickets were 1250 then, you know, um, and we went to, um, to Columbia to see the show and them giving me the talk as a 12 year old, you know, there's going to be people drinking and people are going to be smoking pot. So, you know, back in the day, they just passed joints down the aisles, you know, so they had to give me the, the, the talk before we went, but, uh, it was a fantastic show, you know and I mean? That was something else that really got me hooked on wanting to play music, to see a show like that, you know? And that's when he was, I mean, he was still really in his prime kind of, and you know, an 80. Yeah, my first, there wasn't all that excitement. It was uh, Shauna Na mm. in uh, my town in Wheeling, West Virginia. There wasn't all the uh, drinking and, you know, it was more, yeah, yeah. more kid-friendly. Well, like kid it's funny, though, because you wouldn't think that. that would be an Elton John show to have that conversation, but it was, you know, in, in 1980. Right. Um, you know, funny enough, subsequently, my next show, you said Shauna Na, was Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. So, um, at Carowinds, of all places. But the cool thing about my brother was, he was six years older. We didn't have a lot in common aside from music. Um, but every year for my birthday, my birthday's in July, he would take me to a concert in Columbia. So I got to see Van Halen, you know, back in, 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 in their prime. I was uh, saw Def Leppard when the drummer had two arms, you know. Um, uh, Hart and John Cougar played together. So he would always take me to cool shows, you know. Um, and that, I mean, going to shows back then, um, that really got me hooked as far as wanting to play, you know, play, to play music. So were you, were you playing in bands in high school or were you, uh, when did you, when did you start playing in front of crowds? 
Well, when I was in middle school, I started and I was in a, in the school choral group and I sang some solos. I had a, I was, uh, I did some solos and sang in front of other schools, younger kids, like auditoriums full of kids, you know, and then in high school, I was in, in chorus for a year or two and I didn't finish high school. Um, I left early. Um, I didn't have, I just didn't have a lot of interest in school. Um, I, um, I was out of high school and I think I was 17 when I joined my first band. And, um, it was funny because I sang in high school, but I also, my last couple of years is rap became big and I wanted to be a rapper, you know? So I was, I was doing that. And, um, a buddy of mine who was still plays music in town, Mark Morant plays all over. Uh, Mark's a great guy. Um, was, and is a fantastic drummer. Um, said, Hey, we've got this little band and we need a singer. And I know I've heard you sing. I know you're a rapper, but I, uh, you know, I, I, um, you, I know you can sing. I've heard you sing. Would you be interested? I said, yeah. So I went and sort of tried out and we had a garage band. And like I said, most of it was Prince songs, you know, cause we were all Prince fanatics by that time. And, um, then myself and Mark and a guy named Floyd Graham, who also went to school with me at, at Stahl high school, fantastic bass player. We went and they were going to go audition for a band that was established, um, that was playing all around town. They were a show band and it was older guys, you know, in their thirties, twenties, thirties, forties. And they went to audition. They brought me along and I sang and the guy said, Hey, we want you in the band. So I, I ended up joining that band. It was called the educators band. And they, they were around for years after I left. And like I said, it was, um, it was a, it was like old R and B. It was like, um, Marvin Gaye and Sam Cooke and Otis. that's what I cut my teeth on kind of learning how to sing. And I was playing in bars that I wasn't old enough to have a drink in, you know, I wasn't even supposed to be in and I'd have to kind of go through, but it was, those were great times. And that is where I learned how to perform. And, uh, you know, I remember my first couple of months playing and we had a band meeting one time and he said, man, you got to sing to the, the drummer said, stop turning around and singing to me, turn around and sing to the people because I was so sort of self-conscious. I didn't know how to perform. You know, I was, I was. I was, uh, you know, nervous. And, and so finally, I, I once I got my feet under me, I, I kind of worked on becoming a performer, you know, and but that was my first band. And, and I did that for a few years until my son was born. Um, so let me uh, ask you, this is something that's always interested in me is uh, how does your um, how did your songwriting process go? Do you like, do you have uh, lyrics? You write the lyrics first and then come up with the music? Do you have, does it click in your head? Like, the, the, the when you're writing the lyrics, do you have a melody uh, with thought out for it? Or You know, it's it comes in a lot of different ways, um, Brandon. And it's like, I can, um, you sort of liken it to fishing. You know, you, there are different ways to catch fish. If that's, you know, um, and you always kind of have your, your line in the water hoping that something finds you. Um, I used to sort of be what I would call an inspired writer. Like I would have to really be feeling something or going through something to write. Um, I did that. That was kind of my process for a long time. And I would write a lot when that was going on. But then what was happening was I was writing a lot of the same songs over and over because the experiences were very similar. Um, as I got older, I sort of learned to almost treat it. You know, it was um, I always hearkened. Uh, back to the story about Paul McCartney and John Lennon, where they go in the studio and Paul McCartney says, let's write a swimming pool today. So, you know, they're going to write a song so they can buy themselves a swimming pool, almost approaching it as it is like a, like work. Like we're going to go sit down and we're going to get them out and we're going to write a song, you know, um, not like, Oh, I'm really feeling this. I got to go put these feelings down and write a song. And I started treating it sort of more that way. And I would sit down almost like a writer if you're writing a book and sit down every night and try to write something. Um, what I find, and to be honest, I mean, I haven't really, I'm, I'm working on a few different things right now, but um, I'm, I'm working as far as performing a lot. So it's hard for me to write and perform, you know, when I'm doing both some, when I'm very busy performing and I don't have a lot of downtime, it's hard for me to sit down and write. But I, I do normally, generally, it is lyrics first. Um, I, I Right behind me over here, you can't really see, this is my piano. Um, I started, uh, taught myself piano a few years ago and write a lot on the piano. And I can, I can get inspired with lyrics on the piano. But generally, I'll write a lyric um, or I'll write a song lyrically first. 
And a lot of times it will, the melody will create itself while I'm writing it. Um, and other times I just have to find, you know, I've got music without lyrics and lyrics without music and I have a bunch on each side and then just try to find something to pair it up with, you know? Right. So it's, it's, the process is different. Um, but generally the ones that come pretty easy, um, my most successful song, it actually took me, I mean, it took me a year to write. The other ones that, that have done pretty well for me are, uh, have been written fairly fast. But, uh, I mean, it took a, a year almost for me to finally get it where I wanted it to be, you know? Right. Yeah, so you, that's one of the things that I'm always interested in, like, you, from anybody, is just, you just, you hear it, or, you know, finally when you're, you know, when you're, uh, you've got the lyrics out, and you're testing it with different melodies, different heart, whatever, and um, so, like, you, so you said it, hey you had it you maybe tweaked it here and there for over a year yeah until you finally got it to where you like yeah well you know with that with that song is called by the light of the radio and it was actually played on played on radio for uh on on uh, across the united states um for a few months um and um i mean it it got me some accolades and it gave me some good opportunities that didn't uh you know, it didn't set anything on fire for me, but it was a, it was a very good experience. But that particular song, I um, the music was written, the the verses were written, and I just every time I thought it was finished, I'd go back and go, "That's not it." And and funny enough, I mentioned Bob Dylan earlier. Um, I was watching a documentary, and he and the songs about growing up with the influence of the radio, like I was talking about with Top Forty Radio, and. Um, he says, you know, um, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, the radio was the big thing and like 50,000 watts of power through the atmosphere. And it just it hit me and I went and finished that course right away. And the song just, you know, it came together. Um, so I can, I, I guess, I don't know, I guess I could get Bob Dylan to co-write on that. <laughs> He gets, a, he gets a co-writing credit on Yeah, it's funny, though, because he's the first guy to say he borrows from everybody. I mean, he, you know, he's 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 a borrower, too. So Steel Like an Artist is the, you know. That's that's another one. That's a, uh, I was in sixth grade, and my dad uh, took me to a Dylan concert. Oh, wow. Country, uh, music. Yeah, great, great time. I've been lucky enough to uh, see him a few times. He's you fantastic. You're, uh, yeah, I, you know, dad... I, that was one of those benefits of my, like my dad being, you know, he was, uh, 21 when I was born. Yeah. And so it's still pretty young as I was, as we were growing up. And so, and I saw Paul McCartney with him, uh, I saw, uh, Dylan, uh, blues traveler, I think was the last show we saw together. Like, but we, you know, he was, a the one of the real benefits was, uh, like I said, he was a big music guy and we'd, We'd go see shows together a good bit. Yeah, um, uh, we went to we were in Nashville just for a for a football game, and we went over to the Bluebird Cafe and saw Kim Carnes was there at that that night, and so just random random shows and uh, great you know great times with it, uh, and lots of like I said lots of different music styles and uh, um, just uh, yeah a lot of just a lot of different music in my life from from being around him. Some of my best memories are music. Uh, or concerts, as I was going to um, say. Yeah, you mentioned your. Sorry. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Uh, some of your best, uh, or some of your, you, you mentioned that the, um, uh, uh, that song being played across the country. So, and I know you've traveled a lot playing. So, what are some of your favorite places to play outside of the Low Country? Mm, my favorite place I played outside of the Low Country. <clears throat> is um, a place in New York City. It's on the Lower East Side. It's called the Rockwood Music Hall. Um, <clears throat> actually, I played there I played there twice. Um, the EP you mentioned earlier, Live in New York City, that was actually recorded the first time I played in New York. Um, that's all was also in the city, a place called the Sidewalk Cafe, which is where a lot of like 90s New York bands, um, The Strokes, uh, a lot of those guys, they, it was a really iconic venue for bands getting started um and it was a very small bar and it, and the and the stage was downstairs almost like in a basement and it probably sat 60 people um it was a really cool you know experience um but the rockwood music hall has three stages 
um, small, medium, and large stage, and I've played the small and the medium stage. Um, the first time I played there, two nights later, Sting showed up and got up with the band and played a couple of songs, you know, so it's a really iconic venue. Um, a lot of people pass through there. Um, really cool room, um, cool vibe. Um, so that's probably my favorite place I've played outside of, and I, well, that was my favorite for sure. As far as, um, you know, something like that I did, I did, um, when I was in Ireland, um, get up in a, in a, in a place where they were having music and played some songs, which was a lot of fun too. Everybody really appreciated it. That was just a fun experience. But as far as like a paid gig to go play my music, um, Rockwood was the, my favorite. And I'm actually, I'm playing in New York again. I have an upcoming show in July. Um, I will be back in New York, but I'll be playing in Long Island City in Queens on a big outdoor stage. Um, I have a friend um, that I met actually um, when I played there the first time um, who has a band called the American Nomads. They're out of Brooklyn. Um, they've got this, he's, they live in this beautiful three-story firehouse in, in Brooklyn that they renovated, renovated in the eighties. It's got a recording studio in it, but their band's fantastic, really like Americana thing. And they invited me to come and open up and I'm going to be staying there. And, um, we're going to try to get a song recorded while well, I'm going to bring a song and we're going to try to record some music too. So I'm really looking forward to that. Well, that's awesome. And. And I was going to ask you about. It. I know you got that trip coming up, and you've been uh, restoring a van to make this trip in. How's that? Uh, how's that process been for you? Well, I don't know if the van's going to make the trip, but the process is is it's been a labor of love. It really has, but it has not been without its frustrations. So I bought this van. Um, I believe next month is a year, um, and I gave myself a year to renovate it, and I am. I just got the radio put in yesterday, so um, I now have some real music in there. But I have built the inside. I completely gutted it and from the ground up created an entire new interior for that van. I mean, I, I, I the bed build was about three weeks ago. Finally, I got that in. I've paneled the walls. I've added lighting. I've, I mean, it's it's been a real process, and it's and it's been you know, costly at times. Mechanically, I had to get it sound. I have a, had to have a new engine put it in, in it. Um, you know, the front end's been rebuilt, new tires. I mean, it, I'm going to, you know, when it's all said and done, I, it, will, it will be an investment. And my plan really is more so um, to take that van and just travel and um, leisurely as far as like, I really want to go see a lot of national parks. I want to go to the Grand Canyon. I mean, I'd love to drive it out west. Um, I actually have to have two rear axles put in it, and then I think it'll be pretty much really roadworthy and ready to go. It'll be ready to set sail, but it's really come together, um, and it's been a lot of fun, and I've learned a lot doing it, and I've become very daring with my hand tools um, as far as, um, you know, not being scared to, to, to build something or tear something apart and put it back together or recreate it. It's been a great experience, but it has definitely been not been without its frustrations. More so mechanically than the other stuff. The, the inside stuff's been fun. Right. This seems to be a theme here. My first, uh, the first episode, um, the Hanahan's mayor, Chrissy Rain, Rainwater, she, uh, like during COVID, she took their family, they were going on a uh, vacation up to a park, a national park, and like they're working remotely. So they just hit like six different, uh, national parks and just went on the road for it. So this is becoming a, uh, a recurring theme already. Actually, I know her. I think I know who you're talking about because I believe I played for the city a couple of times over at the little deal outside there across from the, from the uh -huh. police station and stuff. The amphitheater. Yeah. And I remember when she did that and she took her kids on that vacation. Yeah. I followed her on Facebook, um, doing that. And that's exactly what I want to do. And I, I mean, it's, it may just be me and my dog, you know, but I'm, I'm, man, I, I can't wait to do it. You know, yeah, it's, that's I, I told and I told her I said that's a that's absolutely a, a, something I'd love to. It's a dream of mine as well, like just to take the just do that cross country national lampoon uh, trip, yeah. Griswold trip, and, <laughs> and enjoy it. Yeah, I'm um um. Yeah, I was just gonna say I'm I'm yeah I'm definitely really uh looking forward to to I've never really been I've been out to L.A. 
and I've been up and down the East Coast, you know, a couple of dozen times, um, but never really Middle America or the Great Northwest or, and uh, you know, I'm getting older and I've been talking about it for years as far as the van. Like, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get a van, I'm going to get an RV, I'm going to travel and I'm just going to hit the road and go. Finally, a year ago, I just said, you know what, I'm done talking about it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to commit. And I found this van and went and went up to, to, um, near, um, Hilton Head and picked it up and brought it home and been, been pecking away at it ever since. So in uh, working in restaurants and bars as long as I have, there's all, there's been some jokes that we've had with uh, amongst us, amongst the servers, bartenders that um, certain songs, every band, every band plays. Mm -hmm. And so you hear the same songs. Um, like the biggest ones are recently in the last 10 years or wow, rain. Mm -hmm. Um, Santeria Vespaim and uh, um, Wagon Wheel. Is there a song when you're performing that they ask you to play that you absolutely just cannot stand to play? Maybe even refuse to play. Yeah. Um, normally, if I can't stand to play it, I'm not going to play it. So I will tell you, I have never one time in my entire career of playing music, never once played Brown Eyed Girl. Um, I, uh, I, I, yeah, there's just, I don't play wagon wheel. Now we'll tell you when wagon wheel came out 15 years ago and old crow medicine show did it. I played it then, but then it became the new brown eyed girl, you know, and now it's also now it's yeah. Tennessee whiskey is the new, is the new one that everybody wants to play. I don't, I don't play it. Not because I don't think it's a good song. I actually I really, it's a George Jones song. A lot of people don't know that, that with George Jones wrote that and, did it first. Um, Chris Stapleton definitely gave his, his own, you know, feel and flair. But uh, I won't play. Uh, yeah, I don't do Santeria. I, I I know Purple Rain. I've played it in the past, but it's not something. It'd have to be a really special occasion. You know, you always get the guy that yells out Freebird and thinks he's the only guy that thought he's ever done that. And my joke is always when somebody right. does that. My joke is to always say, I got two Freebirds for you, you know, jokingly. And it always gets a laugh. And it, and it you know. People just laugh and brush it off because, you know, the guy saying it, you've heard it a thousand times. You know, it's like I got two free birds and everybody just laughs and we move on. But, yeah, I, I don't I, I don't do a wagon wheel and brown eyed girl. And um, there's a few out there that I yeah, that I'm if I don't if I personally don't like it. I mean, I just wouldn't. There's certain songs for any amount. Any tip wouldn't wouldn't uh, encourage me to play it, you know. Now there have been some songs that I have yeah, I played. Yeah, see that. Knowing you as as long as I have, I can see you. Uh, you're 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 not the type to just uh, begrudgingly play something. I think you uh, would definitely have to. You're, you're just definitely a no. It's not gonna. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, I'll tell you. There's um, um, who. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say. Go ahead, um, go ahead. I, I'll, I will say that there are songs that I play that I have played a thousand times. And sometimes they can be a little laborious, you know, to, to you know, they're, they're songs that everybody, I enjoy the songs and I, and I learned them because I enjoy them. But a lot of times people go, what's your favorite song to play? And I always go one that I haven't played a thousand times. So usually it's something that I've learned more recently and I'm just sort of, you know, uh, getting to, to, to do, but the ones you played and played and played. Um, but yeah, if I don't, if I don't like it, I, I won't play it. And I tend to not try to do the same songs that everybody does. I even do the artists that people know. I just try to do a little more stuff that's a little more obscure um, and not those same songs that, you know, those, those, the ones that everybody knows. So if, if I don't like it, I don't do it. I, I've got to like the song in order to play it. Right. Um, so who, I know you earlier you mentioned your buddy with the guitar under his bed. Who uh, who taught you the most about being a musician? Like, who's been? Is there anyone who kind of mentored you, or was this kind of more just try and fail for you? Um, I wouldn't say I was mentored by anybody um, per se. Um, like I said, I think I probably I got into music and playing it because I loved it. I think also looking back, I probably did it um, because 
I know how much my older brother liked music. He was a failed drummer as well. Um, he, um, you know, he had a kit and he just bang around on it. But I think I probably as a kid learned to try to gain some acceptance from him, you know, because I knew how much he liked music. Um, but I will say that um, the first, the band, so after I got in the first band and, and left, my son was born when I was 20, so I was a young dad too. I took about eight years off and I was working square jobs and I ran an ad in the Charleston Free Times, which is no longer in existence anymore. It's a music newspaper um, ran by Eddie Hogan. And you could run a free ad in the back if you were a musician looking for other musicians. And I ran an ad and it was answered. Um, and I went, tried out for this. There were three guys, Air Force guys. And I ended up um, getting together with a guitar player pretty specifically. And his name was John Melnick. And he was the guitar player and, and uh, better known as Johnny Cocktails. Um, he's, uh, he was the guitar player in Big Black Building and, um, not that he mentored me in any way, but I'll tell you what he did do is that he, I mean, within a couple of weeks of us meeting and learning a few songs, he was already like, oh, we're going to go over here and we're going to, uh, we're going to play, um, between these guys sets. And when, when we learned, you know, an hour of music, he would book us somewhere. And it was just like, he was very driven about getting out there and playing in front of people and almost didn't allow me to say no or be a prisoner to my, you know, my insecurities or as a singer or performer, he just went out and, and found the work and was like, hey, we're playing here, we're playing here. And he just, you know, he, he really helped push me out there. And, and uh, you know, I can honestly say had had I not met John, I don't know if I would have been doing it for as long as I have because he, he put me back out there in a work as a working musician. And, um, and that helped me gain my confidence, you know, so I do owe a lot to John for that, for sure. Um, just, just not giving me a choice to say no almost, you know, so, um, and, and, and it was a, you know, good experience. Very cool. That's very cool. Um, so we've talked about some older bands, uh, all different choice, all different kinds of, uh, very uh variations uh is there anything say what have you found from say like 2000 to now is there what kind of what artists are you into now like um a band that i really um love a lot is um i, I love kings of leon i think they're a great band i just they i just I, I saw them um i didn't know much about them um and they had that um ipod commercial and and uh, molly chambers was uh, uh was the theme song so i knew that but I, I went to a pearl jam show and they opened that show up and i was just blown away by them and i just, I just loved the sound and the whole sort of retro vibe they had going on and i went to that show and i came home and just and just bought everything they had you know everything that they had released i, I bought it and became a huge fan i've seen them numerous times um really like them um the killers was a band i really dig a lot um uh, a guy named Ryan Adams, not Brian, but Ryan Adams, who's just a fantastic songwriter. Love Ryan Adams. Yeah, I think he's sort of like the uh, he, uh, he's sort of like the you know Neil Young of our generation, or you know he's that kind of a pr prolific songwriter, and just just tons and tons of great songs. Um, uh, there's a new the newest band I found that I really dig is uh, called Fontaine's DC, and they're out of Ireland. They're, uh, DC stands for Dublin City, and they're almost like a post-punk. They've got a whole different kind of vibe, and I just really like I like their style and their vibe. So I've, I've become a fan of them just the last couple of years. I went to right before COVID. I went to a, a festival in Rockingham, North Carolina. It was like very kind of eclectic. It was corn. Um, Foo Fighters, 311, Tool, um, and the last day I was there, I found uh, the Glorious Sons. I never heard, mm. I never heard of them. Um, they're very, I don't, I don't know how to describe them. Somewhere, I don't, I don't know how to describe them. Yeah. They make these almost opioid love love songs. Uh, there's, you know, talking about different, you know substance abuse and whatever but it's uh very I, it's I, it's not grungish it's rock and there's um 
maybe some more melody to it, but it's it kind of reminds me of uh, of like Nirvana in a way because it's just different. And um, but they there were several acts I saw that week that blew me off the um, kind of just blew me away. One was uh, I think it was Fever Three Three Three, and they're kind of like a Rage Against the Machine. Oh, nice. But the uh, but the Glorious Sons were just like. I've never heard of them, so I'm like looking them up, thinking there's some new band, and the next like the next week they're opening for the Stones. Oh wow! So wow. maybe they weren't as new as you thought. As I, as I it's um, you know, I um, yeah. speaking of the Foo Fighters, are another band that I really love, and actually more of a Foo Fighters fan than I was a Nirvana fan. And I was a Nirvana fan, you know. I mean, I was really, I was in my early twenties, kind of uh, mid twenties when grunge really hit and I'm, I'm still a big Pearl Jam guy. I've always been a big Pearl Jam guy, seen them a ton. I've got to see Chris Cornell, uh, solo a couple of times and seen him with his band in New York city, actually. Um, you know, fantastic. Just, I mean, the Robert Plant of our generation, as far as voices go. Um, but I really love the Foo Fighters. Um, uh, you know, Dave puts on a, they put on a great show and I really like the fact that Dave Grohl is a music fan. You you know, he gets up and plays with Paul McCartney and he's like, he looks like a 15 year old kid up there with his hero, you know, and I really love that. It's never been that he's gotten so big that he really seems like he's, you know, he's, he still is a fan. And I, and I love that about, about them. And I'm going to have to check out that band you were talking about, because I'm always looking for new stuff. Funny people ask me sometimes, um, Oh, who, who's like, do you have a favorite new band? And I'll say like, Oh, well, I really like Kings of Leon. And then you look back and they're like, they've been out for 15 years, you know, <laughs> not really a new band, right. you know? So it's, it's funny how that happens. You know, it's like when people talk about the nineties and you think it was 15 years ago, you know I mean? It's, 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 uh, that's weird how that happens when you get a little older. Well, I think it's a combination too. Like, yeah, it's that thing of when you get older and you stop maybe finding new music, but also the way the music industry changed, with with there's no the mtv going away and like just the the formats for radio stations like you, you don't have these uh or in the cd sales the lack of that so you know you're buying off of uh just off of apple music or spotify yep. so you don't you don't have the a and r guys or whatever behind new acts like you used to so you don't you don't find these people unless you're really really looking for them i think yeah um, something, it's interesting that you mentioned that and the way the music industry has changed in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, we could go on for another hour about that alone. Um, it's changed a lot and it, and it is, it's allowed people, it allows anybody to get their music out. Anybody can put out a, you know, a, a single or a record now. Um, it does sort of cut out the middleman. At the same time, it has saturated the market so much that I mean, you know, it, statistically, if you have a video on YouTube and somebody watches for more than 20 seconds, that's considered a success, you know? So, I mean, we're at that point where the attention span is so fast. There's so much out there, um, you know, and, and you're right. The music sales now, I, I'm, you know, I have music out there. Um, people will buy sometimes, you know, your, your, your friends, your family, they'll support you. Most people are going to stream it. And the I, I, I may be wrong in saying this, but to my understanding, and I'm pretty sure that you that you make somewhere around point zero zero six cents per stream. So you can be streamed hundreds of times and you haven't made, you know, I mean, you haven't made a dollar. Um, most bands and even big bands, I, I um, was in a relationship with someone that was um in the music business, she was a tour, an assistant tour manager for big bands and toured the world. Um, and even the big bands, um, they relied on touring and and merchandise sales. They don't sell records like they used to. It's it's touring, it's playing shows and selling merch. Um, I think three, four years ago, the only record to physically sell a million copies was the record that Eminem put out. Um, I mean, that's, you know, back in the day, a million records was nothing to sell. Them. I mean, it was, and I don't want to say it's nothing, obviously it's a huge accomplishment, but there were bands out there selling 10, 10, 15 million records. Now it just doesn't happen anymore. Everybody streams and, you know, so it's, it's different and it's definitely harder to, to, you know, to, to break through and make a, make a living doing it. Even if you are successful, you know? 
I'm a I'm a big Cracker fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dave Lowry went. He went. He detailed that big time of how Loath played like a million times over a month on Spotify, and they made like a dollar six or something. Yeah. Yeah. A million million plus i got my residuals back um i you know at the beginning of the year they send me i my distributor is a distributor that a lot of musicians use um and they give you they report your sales throughout the year and this is through youtube this is through you know all your streaming services um last year i made 94 dollars and 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 uh you know and for all the music that was streamed and played 94 bucks so you know um it's very, very hard to, to you know, and it, then when you look at it and you break that down and you go, if I'm getting 0. 0.006 cents, man, a lot of people listen. That's still for me. I, I still, I'm like, well, at least a lot of people listen. It just didn't put any money in my pocket, you right. know? So um, I am still, you know, I am still out here at 26 years into it, not counting the first band and stuff I was in when I was a kid. I've been doing it 26 years now and 18 is my only job. Um, I'm still, you know, schlepping my stuff in and out of places and playing and, and still doing it. You know, um, some nights are better than others. Some days are better than others. You know, it's a, it, it, people always say, well, you do what you love. And, and that's true. I do. And I'm very, very fortunate to make a living using my voice and playing a guitar to, to make a living. I mean, I, I, th I think I read somewhere recently that less than 1% of the world's population make a, make their living playing music. So I'm very, very lucky to be in that situation. Obviously, I don't live in a mansion. I don't drive big cars, but I'm comfortable. Um, I'm blessed to be able to do it, but it's a job, you know, and, and it's like any other job, man. You, you know, whether you work in a bank or a grocery store or construction you can have good days, you can have bad days, you're going to have, you know, fantastic days. Some days you're going to feel a little off. Some days you're not going to feel like doing it. You got to go do it. And, uh, you know, but it's, uh, I, I never, I always say, my worst day playing music is better than my best day punching a time clock. So um, I'm very lucky to be able to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, I've got a, uh, uh, some 10 questions that are just kind of um, random. Okay. Uh, we're just going to throw them out there and, and see where, how they go here. Okay. So uh, first one. If you were to put something wacky in a rider, like the no green M&Ms thing, what would yours be? You know, that's a, ah, gee, I've never really, I'm a pretty simple guy, so I don't really have a lot of wacky demands, but I am, um, uh, I'm a vegan, but I'm not a pain in the ass vegan. It would probably be some sort of, some sort of vegan related food or snack, you know, um, vegan Reese's cups or something, you know I mean? Uh, but it wouldn't be anything too outrageous. Now, back before I, I, I've been sober almost five years now, it would probably be some sort of, you know, um, outrageously alcohol related, um, you know, uh, you know, eight bottles of Jameson and, you know, and a bottle of beans. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. There would have definitely been, you know, a case, of, a case of brew and a, and a bottle of, uh, you know, a, a party liquor or something, you know, but, uh, yeah, I keep it really, I'm, I'm really a low maintenance now for sure. Okay. Um, if you could tour with any three acts in music history, who would they be? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, it would definitely be Bob Dylan. Um, the Rolling Stones, although notoriously the Rolling Stones, if you're an opening act for them, that can be a hard gig. And I've seen the Stones a few times and, and, the, and the opening act is all, saw them of, um, all the first time it was, um, Shannon Hoon's band, uh, No Rain. Uh, why can't I think of the name of the band right now? Blind Melon. Blind Melon. Um, Blind, Blind not, Melon? Yep. Um, not very long before he passed. Um, I saw them with, um, Gwen Stefani's band, um, no doubt opened up for them. Um, and then I don't remember who it was the last time, maybe like Trey Anastasio, somebody I wasn't like a jam band guy. I wasn't very interested in, but the stones for sure. I know when Prince opened up for them in the seventies, um, they threw rocks at him, but he was wearing a bikini and a raincoat. Um, so this Dylan and the stones and, uh, gosh, um, 
I mean, Paul McCartney, you know, or Springsteen. The funny thing is, is like Dylan doesn't have an opening act. Uh, Springsteen doesn't have an opening act. Um, and neither does McCartney. But those would be those, those you know, the, the, the top, the top guys. Robert Plant, maybe I've gotten to see him in the last few years a couple of times. He's still fantastic. The, the, the heroes, you know, those guys. Absolutely. What's a movie that if it's on, you have to watch? Oh, um, there are probably a couple. Um, Stand By Me, for sure. The Outsiders. Um, the Godfather. That's um, Clockwork Orange. Um, yeah, those are, those are some I could just write off the top of my head, for sure. What is a... Uh, what famous person's... Um, uh, um, book have you either read that just that you was let me let me start over what's a uh, famous person's book that you would either love to read or you have read that just blew you away like a memoir mm. I actually um just again uh, um, not to call his name again but I just finished a Bob Dylan biography that was fantastic um, Tom Petty's, uh, biography was great. I'm a big Tom Petty fan as well. There's another guy that I just absolutely, I would have loved to have opened up for his band when he was around. Um, love Tom Petty, big songwriting influence too. Um, uh, I'm looking forward, there's a new book coming out and it's, um, a Paul McCartney book and it's based on his years. And so that sort of seventies period. Um, it sounds like it's going to be really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that. When I was a kid, um, and I was probably 14, I read No One Here Gets Out Alive, the Jim Morrison biography. I've read that quite a few times over the years. Um, I'm really, I, I read a lot of um, guys like, I, I, oh, Keith Richards' biography. It's called Life. Keith Richards is a guy that I absolutely love, too. I always used to say he was my spirit animal. Um, his book is fantastic, full of great stories, and he that only... You know, only the way that Keith can tell them. Um, <clears throat> I, I've, I've read a lot of books about musicians. That's I, I do. I don't read as much as I used to, but I listen to books a lot because I love to go out and hike. And um, anytime I actually get a chance to sit down and read, it's normally at late at night and I get through about five pages and I'm falling asleep. So I'm always I probably I was right. just saying to my son. A couple of days ago, I probably last year safely listened to a hundred books last year. Um, I mean, I listened to a lot of books, so and a lot of biographies. Those are my favorite, actually. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I've listened, like I've switched over to Audible. Mm -hmm. Listen to a lot of uh, books on books on audio books now. And just you're, I'm the same way. If I'm if I'm reading. Uh, at late at night or whatever, I'm, I'm dozing off, yeah. but I can listen, you know, especially on a long trip, yeah. uh, listening to, you know, po either a podcast and normally it's a, and you know, it's a, uh, it's a, like more of a biography, biography podcast, um, or it's, uh, you know, or a, a book, uh, an audio book. Um, it just, I just, that's, uh, that's where I've turned to instead of actually, uh, you know, the, the hardcover book any, anymore. Yeah, it's funny because um, uh, I'm sorry, I, I was I was thinking the other day, I probably listened to more books than I actually listened to music, which is a weird thing for a musician to say. But I actually listen. I'm usually listening to if I'm driving or if I'm um, I listen to Howard Stern a lot, too. I, I enjoy that program. Um, he does some fantastic interviews, too. Um, but I, I, I probably listen to more books and stuff than I do music unless it's, you know, if I'm learning a song or if I'm, you know, um, you know, I still do, but it's just like, I, I think I, I listen to, you know, audio books more actually, strangely enough. Um, what do you do when you want to get out of your own head? Hmm. Well, like I said before, my reason for my real reason for really wanting to get the band together is to get out and be able to go out and go to some national parks. And I, I love to get out in the woods and hike. I love to hike and just be outside and uh, be in the woods. Um, that's one of the things I really enjoy doing. Um, I've always been a fan of going to the gym. Um, 
And that really kind of helps me if I'm going, you know, if I'm feeling a certain way or I'm going through something that always kind of helps me work it out. Um, but being outside and hiking, going on long walks or hikes in the woods, I love it. I, I lived in the upstate up in Greenville years ago um, for a couple of years, and I, I was just in the mountains every day. I loved it. And I'm actually more partial to the mountains than I am the beach, even having grown up here. Um, but that's probably what I really love to do. Somebody asked um, the other day, like, what's something that's just mundane that you like to do? Um, I like to just going out and walking my dog a couple of times a day. I, I, I get a lot of joy at spending that time with him and being outside. And sometimes it's 28 degrees outside and sometimes it's 108. But I just that really gets me out of my head. And I get a lot of good song ideas that way, too. Um, sometimes I'll take the audio book out and just sort of not listen, you know, just get into my own head. And I've worked a lot of my shit out that way, um, out in the woods, you know, just, uh, putting some miles in. Um, who would play you in a movie about you? No. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, that's a good question. I couldn't even begin to imagine like an actor. God, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Brandon. I couldn't, who would play me in a movie about me? Who would I like to play me in a movie about me? Or jeez, yeah. I can't, I don't know. I, I, that, that's a tough, that's a tough question. I, I, I you know, you always want to think of some, as some really accomplished actor that's really good looking, but then, you know, uh, that's, that's probably not very realistic. So, um, I don't know. There are a lot of actors I respect, you know, most of them are probably what guys I really respect are probably too old to play me at this point. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I've never really given that any thought. That's a, that's a fantastic question though. I'll probably think of somebody later and be like, oh, I should have said that guy. Yeah. That, that, that's, all, that's how it always works. Two hours from now. Mm -hmm. uh, would you rather would you rather drive an ice cream truck with the music playing or the Oscar Mayer Weeder mobile everywhere you go? Oh God. I, you know, to be honest, uh, even as, a, <laughs> even as a vegan, I'd probably have to drive the, the Wiener mobile because I, that music would drive me nuts. It would drive me crazy. I think that's the music they play on the elevator to hell. You know, that, 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 those, those, you know, a little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down. We've got a guy in the neighborhood. I haven't heard him yet this year, but every day he'd pass by the house with that stuff. And sometimes it'd be July and he'd be playing Christmas music. So, um, yeah, I, it, it'd probably have to be the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile. Vegan hot dogs. Only. I tell you, I was managing a place 20 years ago and, uh, they pulled in. And that uh that Wienermobile is kind of it's kind of plush on on, on the inside, so it's, it's probably the better the better pick. Yeah, our uh, the ice cream truck. Here, uh, and anything. Our ice cream truck's pretty drank, pretty janky in my neighborhood. Yeah, unless it's, unless maybe it's ice cream truck from Nice Dreams. That then maybe and I'll take that ice cream truck all safe. day. I'll, I'll take that one any day of the week. Yeah, that's my kind of ice cream truck. <laughs> anything uh you else you'd like to cover? No, man. I, you know, I'm just, um, I just want to say that first, thanks for having me. It's been great talking to you and, and, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm always just, I, I hope to have some new music out soon. Um, I'm always sort of trying to plot my next move as far as that goes. You know, I can see probably things, um, you know, as far as, um, new releases, I mean, you know, I'd like to, I'm hoping when I get to New York to, to, uh, to get a new song recorded and out and just see what happens with that. You know, I'll be uh, continuing to perform and I'm looking to try to, um, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, my goal this year has been to play in some places that have been, um, a little more conducive to listening to music. Um, you know, where people are going to listen. Um, you know, I've kind of, um, I kind of cut some things loose this year that I, that weren't necessarily that way that were more of a chore to play at. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying to expand my horizons as far as, um, that goes and just, you know, um, 
move forward with, with try to be as healthy and happy as I can be and continue to create as much as possible. I mean, obviously creation is something being able to create something is, um, musically or, you know, it, it, it makes me very happy. Um, but other than that, man, just, just enjoy life and be in the moment. And, uh, you know, um, I've got a great son and three great, grand, three great, they're not my great grand. I have three grandsons that are fantastic kids that I love and, and love to spend time with. And my mom and dad are still on the planet. They're wonderful people. My family means a lot to me. Um, you know, maintain my sobriety and just continue working on myself and try to be the best human being I can be, really, you know. Um, like to maybe do a little more. I was volunteering for a while at a primate facility in Somerville that was a lot of fun. And I was just thinking about maybe some more... Um, volunteering opportunities to give back and you know um so just just try to keep working myself out and, and moving forward and just be a happy guy and um soak the most uh, out of life I, that i can you know well, that's that's a that's a lot that's a lot right there anyway yeah it is well thank you chris uh thanks a lot i've always a pleasure to talk to you um, and again, you can find Chris at youngsullivan.com. He's Young Sullivan on Twitter, Young Sullivan Music on Facebook, and Chris Sullivan Music on YouTube. Yeah. Thank you very much. My pleasure, BJ. Thanks for having me, brother.